Hey Saints and Aints, it's your girl and host Teresa and we are back again with another episode of Culture vs. Kingdom. As you guys know, last week we left off with Lovers and Friends and we left on a, on a bit of a cliffhanger. So if you haven't watched that episode, stop what you're doing, go watch and listen to that episode, then come back and watch this episode so that you can get the full story of how we even got to this place in the first place. But we will be kicking off this episode talking about the difference between false humility, um, false confidence, and actual confidence, confidence. So stay tuned as we talk about that. We're also gonna be talking about healing from past hurt from our relationships and finally kicking it off with can you as a married person be friends with the opposite sex and the relationship work so we're going to be laying it all out on the table uh we're going to be getting into it so without further ado let's go ahead and get into the episode all right y'all can we get a roll call my name is Mackenzie McLeod he's Jared this is Rukia and And we we are are the the races hi I'm John What's good, y'all? My name is Devin Funderburg. Hey, it's your girl, Teresa. Um, I'll say a rough life for dating, uh, dating relationship. Um, is on my, on my end, I think when I see a woman that lacks humility, I think that's, that's a huge rough life for me. Um, because humility is a byproduct of someone who's been following Jesus for real. And who has a genuine relationship with Jesus. Um, so when I see a person that like lacks that, um, yeah, that's that's a huge red flag for me. How how can you tell when someone's following Jesus for real? Um, what does what does that entail? Um, and also how can you see whether a woman is being humble or not? Or like how how can you dictate? where her relationship is with God, like what this, what are those things? I mean, I look for, I look for the fruits of the spirit. Like that's where I try to like keep it. Like, um, like if she, just like the way that she like talks about herself, the way she talks about others, you know, she's not like willing to like learn. Cause I think like where people should be willing to learn from each other. So if like every like other word is, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Because I think humility is very, it's very complex. So I, I, I would say, like in one way, I could tell if a person is humble just by, by the way they talk, how your speech is, um, and yeah, how I just see if she like has like a real genuine relationship with Jesus is just, does she exhibit the, the fruits of the spirit? You know, Can does you that answer your question? Yeah. Can you um. S- can you see the difference between a confident woman and a woman that's humble? Yes. Because I don't think there's nothing wrong with being a confident woman at all. Like, I, I like confident women who are confident in who they are. They know what God has called them to do, and they run with that. Um, I, think, uh, I think, like, a, a confident woman doesn't have to use the word I all the time. Like everything doesn't have to be about them. Cause if you're really confident, you don't have to, you don't have to be the center of the conversation all the time. Like everything doesn't have to be about you. If you're really, if you really know who you are, you don't have to like put that on front street 100% of the time. When let's say you, you find this woman and she's displaying those, those um, traits. Oh, 
is it the man's role to assist her and guide her from those ways or is it not our responsibility like should we um should we be there to help them to to grow in those areas or or is that a rare flag in this yeah i don't think that not if you guys aren't in a committed relationship i don't think that you should play the role of let me address it and we're not even in a committed relationship i think that that's a red flag where you say hmm just a lot because i mean because ultimately like as much as humans think we can humble people we can't like humility is an issue of the heart and the only person that can fix the heart is jesus christ so i think that's a red flag where you you pray for the person and you allow god to do what he does best because you can't you can't fix i don't think we as men can fix that I, I was also going to just quickly throw into, I think when we're dealing with anything with our person, our dating relationship, the boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, we always have to, if there's something that we need to address to them, I think we always need to go to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will give us the fruit to speak to them or not. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will do it themselves and they'll end up apologizing or bringing up the thing. That's why it's important to have the Holy Spirit in the relationship. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that we have to let the Holy Spirit, you know, pray and let the Holy Spirit help us to discern how to approach a situation if we're even supposed to approach it in the first place. I said, are you able to identify false humility in that person? Based off my personal experience, looking back at it, like not being in a romantic relationship with that person. Yeah. But if I'm in it, no. When you're like infatuated with a person, you really don't see red flags like that because you're so into them. So I think when you like take a step back and you're on the outside looking and you look back at the situation, it's like, yeah, I can see where the, the false humility was. Um, pertaining to even what you just said about like not seeing the red flags, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that just because I feel like I feel like we see the red flags, but we choose to ignore them or we choose to like not address them or they don't they're not as prop as long as they're not problematic to the goals and the intentions of why i want this relationship we kind of overlook them and ignore them but i know for I agree. personally like there has never been a female that i dealt with where i didn't see the the different um like negativities of that person um but i just chose to overlook them to overall get to the point of whatever I wanted the relationship to be. I, mean, I feel like I'm infatuated with him a bit, <laughs> um, but I call him out on his stuff all the time. So I think once again, it speaks to maturity in Jesus Christ. Amen. I just asked that because I, I just want us to be careful with that. Even just like what defining what humility looks like and have like, and making sure it's from, the character from the Bible or like from the Bible, because Jesus was very affirmed in himself, but he was humble in a meek way. You know what I mean? He knew who he was. And so I don't, I, I, I don't feel like, I feel like there's a healthy balance to it and making sure just because a person is confident or confident in God affirmed in God um, versus a person who is egotistical. You know what I mean? Because if you don't know the difference, they can look like each other. Right. God, uh, Jesus even saying, I'm the way, the truth and the light, like to the Pharisees, he's like, you, they're like, you're arrogant. Like, you know what I mean? That's how they treated him. And so like making sure that we know that, that, that difference and learn that difference of what it is to be humble um, and humidable. I don't think that's the word, but you, you guys feel what I'm saying in front of God. And, um, and also know the difference between false humility, false humility, because 
I know people who are false humble. You know what I mean? Because, and they, they look and they appear to be somebody who is humble. You know what I mean? But it also could be a guise for insecurity or it could be a guise for, um, and then they don't like people who are affirmed. And then, or it could be a guise of, you know, they're really very narcissistic, but they're, you know, portraying it as one thing that they're not. So I think we just have to make sure that when we're talking about hum- um, humility and, you know, confidence versus egotistical arrogance or narcissism, that we're making sure we're approaching it from a biblical point, just because, you know, we deal with a lot of worldly attributes. I think the biggest thing that I've learned because what, or as it pertains to false humility, is because I've been around a lot of people and I've like literally seen I've seen false humility perfected, yeah? And so the thing that I've noticed that the difference between false humility and real genuine humility is that people who carry the false humility, they act that that way with the, with the, um, with the knowledge in the back of their head that through them acting that way, they in turn, whether it be the long run or in a short season that they will get something that they want um, in return. And so the example being is that I had a mentor when I used to do, um, I used to be involved in like Forex and multi-level marketing and all of that. And the, my, this mentor of mine was, she's super, super, super false uh, humility. Like she exudes it like to the to a perfection. But what I realized is that the reason why she was so like, humble and so like willing to help people and like making it not about her is because the more that she did that, the more that people would buy into her. And ultimately it was feeding back, back to her. It was feeding her ego right back to herself. So she was, she was being egotistical by being, by being, uh, uh, by having humility and putting that, um, into other people. And then when I look at true humility, it's literally you're operating from a place, honestly, where everything that I do is to please God. Like, it's not even about me anymore, like at all. And even the things that I do, I do with the intention of not like I don't want to be seen. I only want to be seen by God. Like if so much so to the point where if I can do it without anybody knowing and only God knowing, then I'll do it that way. Their humility I thought you was uh, describing my father just now, Jared, I swear to you. Their humility kind of makes you feel bad for them, right? Um, they do it in a manipulating way. Mm-hmm. And that's how I personally um, experience with that with, like I said, my father. He does stuff. Um, he has a history of um, making himself feel like he's downcast. Um, what's that word? Uh, downcast. Um he makes himself feel look weak to make you want to help them, right? As our na- like a, a person like me, I want to help you. I want to help, um, but they take advantage of that. And so you look at false humility, like Jared said, they they have an intention of they have an end goal of why they're acting like that. They they're doing it either because they want money, they're doing it because they want attention. Is is something that's gonna benefit them personally, their pride, their um, it's it's narcissistic. You know, that's the root of it. Specifically for relationships, I think there's been a lot of um, I think there's a, a lot of overlap from friendships. Um, a big one for me with relationships is communication is really important. Communication of like what your boundaries are and making sure you can have these conversation important conversations. There have been situations in the past where like 
people have said to me in like relationships that they didn't want to talk. Like, let's, I don't like to talk like that. That's a problem. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk about things that are important. Um, oh, another one uh, is living in the past. I think people who are like kind of showing in the things that they talk about in the way that they talk about their life currently, if they're living in the past and they don't have, you don't probably don't have a future with them. <laughs> that's facts. Or the people that say stuff like, um, you're going to do me like how my ex did me. I'm not like, like that energy, like just, just let him go. <laughs> just let it go. Cause that nothing you ever do will ever make up for the hurt that they haven't healed from. I think that's like a, that's like one thing that needs to be like said, because a lot of people get into relationships when they haven't even healed themselves, when they haven't, you know, processed, whoa, <laughs> like, let me, let me heal. Let me recover. Let me get some of my peace back, you know, cause they think that a relationship is going to do that for them when I've realized people suck. Like, believer in Jesus Christ or not, we are still human beings and we still have the tendency to do wrong and to do others wrong. So it's like when you look for the healing and the restoration and the peace in another human being just like you, salt just like you, it's like drinking salt water. Salt is only going to make you more thirsty. But, you know, when you allow Jesus to refill you and when you allow Jesus to heal you, you know, you you get the healing that you need instead of that temporary satisfaction. So I, I know we're talking about red flags, but how, how do we address that? Or how do we even like, can we even tell that, that a person hasn't fully healed yet? And how do we like approach them with that? Like with like, hey, I know you want to, but I think we should, you know, what I mean? like, how do you approach that? Well, what I was going to say is we can't be responsible for another person's healing. Um I think that's, that'll lead into a whole nother kind of, um, codependency issue, I think, or, um, or like you want to, you want to save somebody like that. There's only one person who can save them. It's Jesus. So, um, I, I really think that the only way to help people who are like living in the past, who have these traumas that they're bringing into relationship is to, um, be led by the Holy Spirit to give them wise counsel from God. Like that's pretty much all you can do. I think there, if you really want to see it out and see if like you want to be with them, that specific person, and you need to help them through their trauma, um, it has to be their decision ultimately. Goes back to what Teresa said. And uh, you just, in that type of situation, I think you just have to consult the Holy Spirit, whether or not they would give you the fruit to talk to them about it, or the Holy Spirit themselves would uh, help that person through it. And a lot of people don't want to be healed. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to spit bars. Like, they, they don't want to be healed because that means part of your healing is accountability for the part that you played in the relationship. And a lot of people can't accept accountability. I'm the best thing that's ever happened to them in your head. Like, you don't know that. Like, Stop. I like all of that irritates me because a lot of people refuse to be accountable. Like every relationship that I've been in friendship, uh, you know, situationship or otherwise, it was literally like, I have to hold myself accountable for putting myself in that when I did see the red flags, 
You know what I mean? Or I noticed these things or the red flags that I perpetuated in that relationship as well. And a lot of people don't know how to take accountability. I know for me with anybody that God assigns me to, to speak life into them, there has to be a trust factor in there. One, they have to be able to trust what you're saying. And I think that's by you living it out. So if you're not healed, you shouldn't be leading people. I'm going to be honest with you, right? Because you can be leading them astray, right? Um, And so I think that one, they have to see that in you. And then I think number two, they actually have to be a horse that's willing to drink the water. They have to be able to accept like some days I'm going to have to bring you the hard truth. You know what I mean? And if they're really serious about their healing journey, they're going to be seeking it from God because you're going to be leading them to God and telling them, I can't give you nothing. I can pray for you. But if you're not praying for yourself, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like we have to be real with people, especially when they're assignments like you, because we're, we're talking about souls here and you're not, you don't like Mackenzie said, I, we're, you know, and Thaddeus, you said this, right? We're not saviors. We're sowers. So you can't become codependent on me for your healing, seeking and seeking prayer and seeking all these things and then not doing it yourself. And so when people do that and get that codependency, that's when we really got to get to the Holy Spirit and be like, God, like, how do you want me to work this? Because I don't want them to become more reliant on my prayers and, you know, me doing this versus actually seeking you for these things. Right. And making sure it doesn't cross that boundary, but people got to want to heal first and they don't want to do that. Brokenness is comfortable. To add on to what uh, Teresa said, um, like, yeah, like uh, um, asking the Holy Spirit, like what to do, but also um, like a lot of, I think a lot of times, like we expect God to respond in a certain way. And so we only look for that. And then when God gives us something else, then we don't know. Like, because it's it's the opposite of what we were expecting. So in, in situations like that, where you might think that it's like, okay, God, tell me how to do this. But God might very well just say, like, let them go. And it might be something that you weren't expecting. And so you were like, oh, is this God? But you know it was God because you have a relationship. Like, you know it's God. You know that God speaks to you in this way. And... Yeah, you you just know it was God, um, and you you have to be, you have to be fine with 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 letting things go, but also letting people go. Like it, it gets to the point where it's like, bro, you you've done, you've literally done all you can do. Like at this point, you would be draining yourself, and God wouldn't want us to get to the point where we are draining ourselves to like lift somebody up because that's not, it's not beneficial to you or them, especially like, like we said, like, especially if they aren't willing and don't want the healing. And, uh, and I think that is, you just said, um, being broken is comfortable. I want to add to that just with a short story. Um, in high school, I, I dislocated my shoulder and for two years I was, um, I didn't know it was messed up. I knew something was messed up, but I didn't know exactly. And so it wasn't comfortable. I was able to tolerate it, right? Because when you're in something for so long, it becomes tolerable. Like you can endure that existing place that you're in. But once I decided to heal, I like the recovery time was 
horrible. I, I felt as though the recovery was worse than the injury. And so I think when you heal, it teaches you to not get hurt again, right? Because the process of being healed is actually harder than the process of being hurt. It felt as though like they had to reopen the injury, right? And as I was healing, as I was healing, I was learning. I told myself, I'm never playing football again. And I never did it again because I was like, I don't want to put myself in a position where I got to go through a healing process again. I'm, I, I want to be healed, right? I mean, I want to learn from, from, from my mistakes, but me getting hurt was a lesson itself. It's the one that, like Devin brought up, uh, relationship also ends in the ship. So if somebody's dragging you down like an anchor, that's just a big, that's just a big warning. Oh, if in a relationship, either you or the other person is putting the opposite in place of God. Like idolship. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of want to touch on the question about um, how do you address red flags? I don't think you address red flags. Yeah, you just go. Yeah, I think you got to get out of there. Um, That's what I, I do. Yeah, like I think that you can address flaws um and i i feel like the the yellow zone i feel like flaws are shown when there has been time spent but red flags like we said are used as warning so it's something that you kind of see from a distance or early on um and it's like okay yeah i have to i gotta skedaddle like so i don't think red flags can be addressed um because i think that in the warning sign, the warning sign is telling you to stop and to go yeah. um, the other direction. Yeah, but I do think that we can address flaws. Why address something that you're not going to like help them work through? Yeah. Like, so when you see red flags, you got to go. Because what happens, I, I have been in situations where I've seen red flags and I have continued to go the direction of the red flag. Um, and then one, it takes a little longer to get out of. Um and then, like, you just kind of find yourself in a cycle where you're, like, trying to repeat the same things over and over again. And then you end up hurting yourself because it was a warning that nine times out of ten, you're going to get hurt if you go that direction. So um, you end up hurting yourself then you have to go through the cycle of healing and undoing and unlearning. And nobody got time for that. It's, like, minuscule at a distance. But as you, like, deepen your relationship with that person, like, the red flag is, like, Boom, right in your face. In dating relationships, playing house. Bro, like, why are we playing house? Shacking up. No, like, I mean, we should not be playing house. You're not, you're not my husband. Why are you living together if you're not married? That's, yeah. that's a red flag. Okay, question. Is this a red flag? Um, I, and we spoke on friendships. Um, I don't know. This is... Okay, I'll just ask the question. Is it a red flag when your significant other has either a female or male best friend, like, of the opposite sex? Depends on the type of relationship to me. Like, when we discuss, like, how, uh, like, red flags in a female to male relationship, uh, like, if some of those boundaries are being crossed and, like, that person's, like, saying, like, no, it's okay, they're just, like, playing or whatever. To me, that's... Yeah, I think it, it depends on that. And it also depends on how long they've known each other, too. Because like there are like legit instances where people are legit brothers and sisters, not brother, quote unquote, or sister, quote unquote, but like legit. Like y'all grew up together. Y'all like cousins. It's like family, strictly platonic. You know what I'm saying? But then there are other instances where it's like, oh, that's my bro, quote unquote, or that's my sis. And it's just a cover up for 
I'm flirting with them. We can do this and we can do that. But we just use the bro and sis cover up just so I won't get in trouble. But I think you you just have to evaluate the relationship, how long you guys, they have known each other and just the interaction between them two. I don't think that it's a um, red flag if they're close to another. In my case, if my my girlfriend is close to another male, you know what I'm saying? As long as their interactions aren't crazy, you know what I'm saying? Or as long as their interactions don't, um, you know, move past the boundary. Does she want to be friends with you? Because I think it's mad weird if the woman, you're, you know, like my guy best friend should want to be best friends with my husband, right? Like you as a woman to an, like you should want to get to know that person that they're with, right? That's a comfortability thing. And then I think the other one is, the the best friend should never come before the significant other. I'm going to be honest. Like if this is the person that you're supposed to be with, like y'all are supposed to get married and stuff like that, they shouldn't come first. Like the, your husband or wife is supposed to be your best friend. Right. So that, that means like this person has more authority than you. So like, watch your step. I believe that what, like if you're in a male, um, female dynamic, you know, relationship, especially with one who's pursuing courtship to get married or anything like that, then you need to be getting to know the person that they're going, like, why are you even playing that game? I think that's when it gets to a red flag. You know what I mean? Like they don't have interest or they're standoffish or anything like that. Like it's your job to make that woman feel comfortable so that she knows that you're not a threat. Like, can like, like, honestly, like that's a respect thing. Now, again, some women are crazy and some men are crazy. You know what I mean? That's true. That's facts. But we're talking about kingdom here. So we we won't have to step into that. But that's what makes it, again, a red flag. If I'm getting in a relationship with a woman and she has a boy best friend and he bugging out, like now that we together, I'm just going to cut both of y'all off. Mm -hmm. Because why you like, again, why you got to act weird? Like, Mm -hmm. like just because you are a best friend don't mean that you get sole access to her. And in the moment I want to come in and, you know, have a romantic relationship with her, I got to go through you to see, uh, you know what I'm saying, if everything good. And then if you're not comfortable with it, then it's causing relationships and my, I mean, causing problems in my relationship. Mm-hmm. That don't make no sense because now you just entered into a three-way relationship. Yeah, no. Also, red flag for me is people who are still friends with people they used to have sex with uh, or their exes. That's facts. Sorry. <laughs> why? Why would you? Why you want to be? I said why? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no! Like I'm agreeing. Like why uh, you trying to be with your soul tie? Like no, especially like no. I just don't. I think exes and being friends with exes. Those things, those things are not truly platonic because you guys went the other direction. Like now, do I think that there's a possibility to become friends a little maybe later down the line? I don't really know. All right, so look, but look, but look, what all right, so look, what if it's what if it's an ex, right, that the person never slept with and they only dated for a very short period of time and then they went back to friends? Like they started friends, they wanted to try it out and then went back to friends. Does that still count as you can't talk to them, you can't hang out with them, or whatever? Well, so I never say cancel, can't hang out. Like the whole thing is canceled, but I said talking. I think even if, yeah, like I said talking. <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing is canceled. But so even if you go back to being friends, um, I think one, once again, like those things have to be justified. I think after having feelings for someone, 
and then trying to be their friend. Like I've seen like science says, and I'm making this up, science don't say nothing. But <laughs> from what I've seen, it don't work. Like it does not work, y'all. It don't work. And that's it doesn't. That's not even like, oh, we could try. No, that's just wisdom. It does not work out. Like, don't play with me. Yeah, <laughs> said I have my own statistical evidence. Right there. Analysis right here, observation. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Because, I mean, I tried it. That, that's so backwards. Because me, me being my accountability partners, we talk about it all the time. They tell me all the time, like, bro, when... When you get with someone, like, make sure that friendship is the foundation. Build that strong foundation on friendship. Make sure that you are intentional about building the friendship. I think it's a simple song. Why? What What are your intentions? Because, like, I need to meet this woman. <laughs> like, I need, like, I, or I need to, like, because I need to see. I need to see the dynamic, right? Like, don't... <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, like, that's what I need to see. Like, let's all go out to lunch. Right. Like, I need to see how y'all acting around each other. Like, to go back to the, like, oh, y'all dated. Like, y'all was friends and y'all tried to date anything that y'all went back. It's like, all right, now I'm in your life. And once again, this is about dating and relationship. Because marriage is a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Like, whole different ballgame. But in in that sense, it's like, okay, let's all hang out with each other. Because I think what Teresa said is really important for comfortability and everyone in the relationship, not, well, there's only two people in the relationship, but for comfortability with those two people um, between each other, I think it's important that people show that they're interested or, you know, connected to what's happening. Like, honestly, coming into my marriage, I lost, I cut a lot of people off because they were not being very comfortable with the fact that I was getting married. It was being weird. It was, it it was was just very, yeah. So it's like, that's a red flag to me. I don't care how long I knew you, you like, there has to be a level of comfort between the two individuals and the people surrounding them. Um, And so, yeah, like if, if I have friends for a long period of time who didn't support my marriage because Jared was exhibiting red flags, that's one thing to consider. But if you guys are not in support of my marriage because it doesn't make sense to you, it's not your life. Like, I I don't understand why it has to make sense for you for me to be getting married at this time. Like, stuff like that don't make sense. So when people are around you and they're like, oh, I don't understand why you're doing this right now. Like, if it's not a legit concern, like, hey, I remember you telling me Jared, like, abuses you and like puts his hands on you and like why are you going to marry someone like this like those are legit concerns but anything outside of that I'm not consulting people I think it's also important to have friends in your life (laughs) boy girl whatever where if and this is friendship you know relationship because your friends do hold you accountable right making sure you're not being disrespected or anything that if you are in a healthy relationship and you guys may have issues at some point that you have a friend that is not going to be bearing the brunt of unforgiveness towards that person. That's not fair. If I've already forgiven them and I've already moved on and you're still going to be holding this over their head. Nah, like, nah, I don't need you bringing up what we already went through. Why are you doing that? Like, we're not going to do that. So I think that that's another thing. And your your friends, all your friends, boy, girl, regardless, should be in support of your guys' relationship, especially when it's God-ordained. One, going back to um, if they don't want to meet your significant other, they would care about you enough to want that relationship with them. And also they would care about you enough to, if they care about you, they would make this effort. Oh, I also wanted to add... Um... <laughs> 
So if you have a, a friend that's of the op- opposite sex, but you're in a relationship, um, and heavy, well, tagging onto what Ricky is that heavy on the marriage is completely different. Even courtship, like you have to prepare yourself for like a different level of of union. Um, so if the person that you're dating has a friend of the opposite sex that they're confiding in, that's a problem because you should be confiding in me. Particularly, especially, well, I'm going to say not particularly, but especially if you plan to marry that person. Like there should be no other female or male that you're confiding in. And that, that, that just relates to... Um, One, especially like we said, because now we're going like the marriage courtship route, um, which which in the dating stage, in the relationship stage can be something that can be practiced and put into practice to establish foundation for those next steps. Because, I mean, we should be dating in in relationships with the intention of marriage. What's important with not allowing other people to come in the middle, um, especially with marriage, is we have to look at like the enemy, like we have to look at. He has been targeting marriages since the Garden of Eden. And so it's like it is it is his mandate to get in between the marriage. And so including people in certain things when it comes to marriage and courtship is absolutely out of the question. Um, And I believe that there are times where counseling is important. I think wise counsel is important in marriage, but there has to be an agreement between both of those people being able to have the conversation with that person at the same time. Um, There should be nothing that's said about your partner or about the situation that your partner is not aware of because the enemy is that sly. I mean, when we look at the, um, the, the repetition of the enemy or the things that he has shown in the past, it is his main goal to get in between marriages. Um, and once again, that goes back to the Garden of Eden. That goes back to the Bride of Christ and Jesus. And it goes back to natural marriages as well. It is his goal to get in between that. And so the moment that you allow any kind of footstool, any kind of anything, the enemy is going to slither his way in. That's good. And, and don't be afraid to uh, cut off family members. Either. It's not them speaking. Of course, we, we're it's the spirit that's operating inside of them. Cutting cutting family members off is the equivalence of cutting off friends. It's the equivalence. It's, there's no difference. Family, especially older people, older people just when they're regarding younger people, they need to God. They need the Holy Spirit because they come with mad disrespect and they think they can tell you anything, and it's never led by anything but the enemy. So. Absolutely. I think any person who the enemy can use as a footstool um, and detriment of to your relationship is people that need to either be have isolated communication or none at all. Is it a red flag if your significant other pretends not to find obviously attractive people per preference? Attractive. Does that make sense? Maybe uh, maybe because of the type of relationship I have. I don't see that. I don't see even if they're like a supermodel. I don't really see them as attractive as my significant other. Like, yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, they're beautiful. Okay. But I still think that the person that I have is way more beautiful than them. Even if they don't, even if the world thinks that that person is just the like cover of People Magazine, sexiest person alive, whatever. Yeah, I agree, Cam. I'm right there with you because don't nobody got nothing on this. Can you answer the question? But um, I think when it comes to, dang, I can't give you no love. (laughs) Um, But I think when it comes to like attraction, I think that like the, the thing that we have to understand with attraction is 
it's like attracting what to what. You see what I'm saying? So it's like for me, like a, a person, like another woman can be attractive, but not to me. Like I'm not attracted to her because my attraction is here. And so it's like when you're talking about attraction, it's like, okay, like they can be attractive, like because they're attracting everybody else, but they aren't attracting me. You know, there may be some somebody out there that is probably more your preference than the, the person that you're with. But, you know, you have to understand that, you know, the person that you're with is who God, you know, specifically designed you to be with. So no matter if they look better or, you know what I'm saying? Because like the, grunt, the grass ain't always green on the other side. So it's all about, you know, being grateful and thankful for what you have because it's perfectly made for you. I agree. The person who I think is attractive, like there are other attractive people out there, but like they, they, you know, they got nothing on that person. So I, I feel that like, and so period. And, and also we got to remember, bring it back to um the word, right? You got to realize, see what they're attracting. Are they attracting your flesh or they're attracting your destiny? Right. Because there's so, of course, of course, when you see something, your mind might say, she's pretty or he's handsome. Right. But then you really process it, process and say, is this person worth even talking to? Like, I know what I already have. Right. So this, this doesn't cut in a long, in a long term thing. This does not compare at all. I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, there are supermodels everywhere, men and women that walk past your past every day, right? You might say, oh my gosh, that person's eyes or oh my gosh, that person's hair. It, it could be one thing that made you attracted to them, not their personality. You're attracted to their, to their, um, to what your eyes are seeing and the eyes lie, you know? They could have um, halitosis, you know? And I'm just saying, you, you know, like if you get to know somebody, if you get to know somebody, Long enough, you'll see why you're not really attracted to them. Look, it's important though because if you, especially back to the halitosis, I'm not gonna take your time. Oh my if God. if you see somebody who's pretty but their their breath don't match that, it's an automatic turn off. And that's how the spirit is. Like they can look good, but if their spirit is like nasty or foul smelling, or it, it just. It, mm. Devin, you are so right. You take me out too, bro. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Just because something glitters does not mean it is gold. And we don't want to be out here deceiving ourselves, being attracted to people by the external, but they ain't got nothing good going on on the inside. So yeah, I definitely vibe with that. Again, that wraps up this episode. We know it was a little bit longer, but thank you guys again for making it to the end and tuning in with us on this fourth episode of Culture versus Kingdom Red Flags. We are about to end this segment. We have one more bonus episode where we're gonna be talking about red flags in the church. It'll only be about seven to 10 minutes tops the whole thing. So please don't forget to watch that so you can identify red flags in church. Thank you guys for joining us. If you want to interact with us and get to know us better, please first subscribe to our YouTube at Kingdom Frame of Mind. Follow us on podcasts on whatever your preferred streaming is and follow us on Instagram and interact with us. We want to engage with you at Kingdom Frame of Mind for all of it. All right, y'all. If you want to follow the people personally, can y'all go ahead and drop your Instagrams now? 
Peace out, y'all. This is Kenzie. Thank you so much for listening. My Instagram handle is KXNZ. Once again, I'm Jared Rice, and you guys can follow me on Instagram at Jared, that's J-A-H-R-E-D underscore Rice. That is R-I-C-E. My name is Rukia, once again, and you guys can follow me at Rue underscore TV. Once again, that is R-U-E underscore TV. Hey guys, this is John. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at by John Sharp Jr. What's up, y'all? This is Devin. Follow me on Instagram at underscore fun design studios. Hit me. And lastly, you can find me, Teresa, on Instagram at Teresa Brianna Burleson.